They're all here. The divas, princes, and living legends you should be obsessed with. Sitting down with me. I'm David Goldberg. These are the luminaries. The stand-up Shalewa Sharp is long beloved for her acerbic observational style and confident stage presence. In August, she released her second comedy album, So You Just Out Here? She joins me to talk about the making of the album, her musical and cinematic influences, and the benefits of age and experience. Shalewa Sharp, welcome to the Luminaries, and congratulations on your second album. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I listened on the way here. I listened to Frankie Knuckles to get myself into (laughs) Shalewa space. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I hope you don't punch anyone. It's very intense. No, I listened to the <laughs> like the softer, gayer remix. Okay, all right. Of which there are some extant ones. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. <laughs> so um, we just wrapped up Leo season. You are mm-hmm. Leo. Yes. And you released your album in early August, correct? Uh, I released it on the 19th, actually, late August, on my birthday, which is the wow. most Leo thing I think I've ever done. And you had a comedy show. You had the Starfucker show that night, correct? Yes. At Union Hall. Yes. So, so you really were... It was real Zodiacy. It was very Zodiacy. How <laughs> are how are birthdays for you? Because for me every year I plan a gigantic thing. Right. And then it's always great, but mm-hmm. I usually have some some inner contemplation of suicide. Okay, sure, and sure. Every year I say, okay, we're not going to do this again. We're going to do the big celebration at another point in the year, but the 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 actual birthday arena, we're going to keep quiet, uh-huh. and then, and I, then you forget. forget. Sure. But how is it for you? I mean, you're. I um I am now at a point where I think I probably should only, if I throw anything, it should be on ages that are multiples of five. So mm-hmm. I think I'm there now. Okay. So um, where it's like oh, every five years, no one no one necessarily cares about a 47. And that's fair um, because uh, I don't know where that falls on the numerology. I mean, that's I know. Just, you know, it's just a. Yeah, I'm a little rusty on my gematria. Yeah. So I don't know. So I'm like, eh, that's probably <laughs> nothing. Um, my mother was a Leo. And my sister is a Leo. Good God. So, yes, it was a lot. My father was a Taurus. Very patient man, somehow. <laughs> um, so there, that was a whole uh, thing where I think early on when I was like a kid, my sister and I were little kids, my mother would attempt a combination birthday party. Um, my sister's birthday is like late July and, um, uh, <laughs> I'm like, you know, mid August. So my mother's like, we'll just have a combination birthday party. But yeah. then she would invite her friends and then it would become her birthday party. And I was yeah. like, wait, that's not just cause your birthday falls in the middle. That's not how that's supposed to you work. You can't do that. Leo's you and Gemini's, you, they just have to have their own. Yeah. Space, just let them do a thing. But what we ended up doing later was just having what I called a, a Leo extravaganza where it was just, uh, <laughs> Immediate family, just me and the four of them, and we get together and then be ridiculous, basically. <laughs> um, or, and then my father just walked by and shrugged his shoulders, like, whatever, man, there's cake and pie because one of you is a pie person instead of cake, and that was, I'm usually the pie person. <laughs> Do you have that thing with you? I have, my mom is a Taurus, mm-hmm. and there is that thing of like, okay, don't try this on me because I, you literally taught me this, and I can do it. <laughs> like, I, I'm a Taurus. My mom and I are both Taurus, so mm-hmm. there is this sense of, like, if you want to go, I will go down with you. Because right. I know how to be stubborn. I know how to sink into the earth until you're dead. I don't know if you and your sister, you and your mom ever had a dynamic I, like that. Not was. necessarily, but um, my, I feel like my sister and my mom were very similar in a mm-hmm. way. In that they would kind of, kind of dig in in the same way, and then not necessarily acknowledge that the other. And I would just sit back and go, "But wait, this is the same, y'all are." But and they're like, "No, it's I just can't." And I'm like, "I'm having this conversation twice, and I can't do that." And um, yeah, I decided at some point that I would be the chill one. I'd be the Thank chill. Leo, which um, now is just, it comes out and it's just been laying dormant. Now it just comes out in just <laughs> weird ways where I'm like, oh, that was, that was a lot. I'm sorry. I was supposed to be chill. But, um, but yeah, so now I'm just trying to lean into it more. I so, guess. It, but, but it was, it seemed like a genius idea to have 
this album, which really is something to celebrate, come for your birthday. So then yeah. you really have this kind of Yeah, I like juice. to, yeah, I'm like, there's a reason why. Here, we'll just, look, it's this thing and my birthday and it's fine. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it definitely, I was like, oh, wow, this is like maybe twice the comments. No, it was more like two, you know, just more people just like, oh, hey, not realizing one or the other. Yeah. So they would go, oh, happy birthday. Or they're like, oh, congrats on your album. That and I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's good. That's great. We, either one is great. I don't need both from you. It's. It's not that important of an age. So when did you record the album? And, and what, I just, I'm curious about kind of the trajectory from deciding you wanted to do a second album, doing the second album, and it coming out. It, um, it is never my idea to do an album. It's okay. never been my idea to do an album. Not at this point. I feel like, I feel like everything is too soon. You're all moving too fast. Where are you going? Where's the fire? Is how I... <laughs> I've been a cr- I've been like a crotchety old man since I was like 15. So I'm just like, why is there a raw... Why do we got to capture it? But um, but it, that's basically what happened. It's on a label called um, Little Lamb Recordings. Okay. And uh, the owners of that label, uh, a young man named Jason Lamb and a young lady named Shanali... Bomick and she and I go way back um, to Atlanta days, and so um, she has this label, and they have a band together, Tiger and Monkeys, and they put out their albums on it. And she also was in um, a comedy sketch group called Variety Shack. Okay. So she worked with like Chelsea Peretti and Andrea Rosen, and they um, they were fairly well known about ten years ago or whatever. So she knows yeah. a lot of a lot of people, a lot of comedy people. So she just decided, you know what, I've got this label, why don't I just put out some comedians that I know, that I know don't have records or people need to know about or anything like that. So she was like, we need to do a record together. And I'm like, all right, because that's how I agreed to the first, yeah, sure, okay. And um, so we got together and she had her whole pitch, just like, here's how it would work. And um, you would get that, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, it's all fine. I mean, I don't... <laughs> I don't I don't do details and um, yes, <laughs> um that is the chill Leo. Let it yeah, come to you. Yeah, it'll all the yeah. whatever. So um I recorded it at Union Hall in Brooklyn um in January, the end of January. Okay. And um and then I just kinda hoped that it would work out. You know what I mean? And, we just uh, we're on standby. Here we are. Here we are. And so you know all of that where I listened to it. It was all. I mean, it was the right time to to record the things that I had been saying because I'd been saying them long enough that I was tired of them. Yeah. And I didn't want to get to where, um, when I said them, people could tell I was tired of them, and then they didn't respond, and then I just have a dud of. All of this time. And it was also kind of keeping me from coming up with new stuff. I was just kind of remixing stuff I was already saying. And um, and so I was like, let me just go ahead and get it down. And then hopefully my brain will go, okay, well, here's maybe another idea. We're still waiting on that. But <laughs> um, yeah, we're still kind of, it's, it's real wiggly right now on new stuff. But um, yeah, it was great. My sister uh, came up to New York from Atlanta to see me record it because she had missed the first recording. And um, and so she was like, oh, yeah, that was good. I mean, I'm still the funniest one, but that was good. <laughs> um, so, you know, all, all of that. And, uh, yeah, and so we are like, okay, let's let's put it out. And even when deciding on a day, um, Shanali was like, well, we can put it out on Tuesday because, you know, we're – old school indie rock people and records come out on Tuesday. So that's when we can do it. So let's do it like August 20th. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's the day after my birthday. That's fine. We can do that. And then the other guy, Jason was like, I mean, we could put it on your birthday. It doesn't really matter. None of this <laughs> really. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Let's just do that. Let's just do that. Yeah. So yeah, that was how the decision is. I just let it happen all around me and then just grab hold. 
<laughs> and it worked out. Yeah. I think you and Drew Anderson, in terms of Leos, I think you both have a similar vibe of like, oh, okay. You know you've got it. Let it come to you. Oh, You're all not right. going to make a big show. That's nice. Of grabbing. And, yeah, and that's reaching. good. I like that. I, yeah. like, I like him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So what really struck me about this album is... I enjoyed what I enjoyed most about it was how the audience reacted. Oh yeah. And there's this real there's this real sense that you're in dialogue with the audience and a lot of there are a lot of these moments where it's not even you waiting but you just know that the audience is going to have is going to groan or make a make a noise right. and then you're going to play off them. Right. And that to me is something that is not easy because most comedians I know, at least for the first five to ten years, mm -hmm. are just kind of yelling yes. at no one. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. And it really takes a long time for you to be able to be paying attention, mm -hmm. let alone engaging okay. presently with the audience. And where that comes from, which I think is unique to only you, at least from my experience, is I feel like with you there's a real sense of ambience and tone and mood and presence. You know, I feel like when you come on stage as opposed to any other performer I know, it's not really about, um, to me, it's more about I know how I'm going to feel when you're on stage rather mm -hmm. than I know what to expect that you're going to say. Okay, all right. And that I know is not something that anyone can just do uh, at the jump. And I'm just so curious about how you developed your sense of presence on stage and how you developed that kind of patience and that dynamic. I, you know, I think most of that comes from starting comedy late in life. Mm. Like I started when I was 37. Amazing. So by then you had already gone through the various, uh, just where your mind goes when it comes to age. So, you know, You've already gotten past the horribleness of your 20s, so you think. Um, so And so that happens until you hit like 27, and then you think, all right, I'm done with my 20s. I've done all the horrible things I'm yeah. going to do. Now I'm, I'm an adult. I've seen some shit. And then... And then, <laughs> and then you actually hit 30, and there's so you don't even know what's going to and you're like oh oh this is a yeah. different thing and um <laughs> so you know i got through all of that and then you try to fight back while you're in your early 30s and then by the time you get like late 30s you're like oh so it's just going to do this over and over <laughs> all right well then i guess i need to you know and so that's kind of where i was when I started, like, well, or, I mean, I guess I might as well just give this a shot since this is something I'd wanted to do for a long time. And um, and I also, so I I go out there, like, just like, here is how I, I'm going to present it to you. Here's my essay. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to present it, present it in this way. I'll take questions during. It, so that's kind of my, I'm thinking if someone were to stop me and go, wait, but what if blah, blah, blah then I will I keep that in mind so that if that actually happened, I I can go, all right, sure, that's a very good question, blah, blah, blah. I won't yeah. necessarily have an answer because I won't know what the question is, but let's figure that out. Why? <laughs> Why did that happen? And sometimes that's what goes into coming up with the jokes too is the built-in question instead of just like, you all see it, right? Okay, moving yeah. on. It's like, no, that is, I don't know if I can make that leap with you. And I understand Let's see if how can I explain what it is that, you know, and also I give people a minute to think about it. So it's not relent, relentless. Yes, and that's and exhausting. Yeah, it's just I'm not going to be thrown because I'm not necessarily a set up punchline person where it's just like, you know, it's not necessarily going to be that kind of math. And for you to like get why I would react to something in a joke the way I do. I need you to kind of feel feel it. So even if it's not your reaction, you can see, oh, this is what that would bring up. Oh, okay, so that's how you dealt with it, you know? So yeah. I just want to give everyone a minute to just go, oh, yeah, basically just have a huh, yeah. huh <laughs> moment, and then I will continue. But, yeah, there was – 
I didn't notice. I didn't notice while I was on stage, but um, in listening back to the album, there's uh, a young man, and I don't. I vaguely remember a person sitting at a particular spot, um, enjoying the set. But later, I can hear him on the recording, like reacting, and like say, like, <laughs> "That's deep," you know. And I'm like, <laughs> And I was like, who was that? I don't know who that was. That was just a person who came to this show. I'll never I'll never know who that was. In but, Park Slow. Yeah, in Park Slow. And it just it it just destroyed me when I realized that was going on. I was like, wow, he's going through it with me. Okay. He's really he's there. He's Come in along. it with me. Come on, let's go, man. Oh, it's so great. So uh, so this means you're coming on a decade of stand up. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because I do think some things that I think it's impossible to do comedy or any sort of performance in your 20s without thinking that I just should be making fun of myself. I just think it's yeah. it's almost when, when you're in your 20s, it's just um let me let me just rip into my cuz it's so easy, of course. Right. And I I do wonder if being able to start at 37, when you've probably, hopefully, gained some modicum of self-respect. Right, a little bit, probably, hopefully. <laughs> I, th- I assume that that changed maybe the way, not not your trajectory, but maybe if you look back on, on the last 10 years, maybe mm-hmm. it, it gave you a bit of a cleaner start, or l- maybe it was less rocky. I'm just curious. It was, um, it probably, I mean, it was rocky in that I still have major hurdles just based on um, my past and how I've interacted with folks before. Mm -hmm. So when getting in front of those types of folks to tell jokes, I still automatically am like flashback to like a 22 year old who doesn't know what to do. And I'm like, I just need you to like me, even though I don't even know if I like you, but I need you to like me in this moment. And I don't, how do we do that? (laughs) And, um, and so that was, that's tough. That was tough starting out. That's still tough now. Yeah. Um, the only thing that's a little bit easier is that I don't threaten to quit after those sets. Like that was it. I can't. I can't do this anymore. Um, they don't like me, and uh, you know, I'm too I'm old just, for this. Yeah, I'm too, too old. old for what this. am I doing? Why yeah. am I trying to get a, a room full of young folks? And so even now, I'm just like, I mean, I can see in your eyes, young people, that you don't quite get what I'm saying. But at some point, at some point, something's going to happen and you're going to go, that old lady was right. <laughs> Remember when we saw that old lady? That sage. <laughs> that sage. Yeah, exactly. She had something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it's it that. But luckily, because I already had some semblance of a voice just from hanging out with friends and having um, a sense of humor that was already kind of baked in. Yeah. So I wasn't necessarily like listening to a bunch of comedy albums to kind of figure out who I wanted to sound like. Or seeing who else on so, the scene. I mean, that's such a thing. Yeah. Too. Especially mm-hmm. like if you look at gay comedians, many have a similar voice because it, it it gets passed around. Right. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And and it's like um, it's also based on where you started sometimes. Um, yeah. There's a there's a Chicago voice. There's um there's an Atlanta speed. Um, you know, there's a there's definitely an LA thing that uh LA women tend to do that I'm like, "Oh, okay, that's when I was out there for a while. I was like, "Oh, okay, so you all do this. That's fine. I, right. It's just nice to know this is what your sound is." Right. And uh and I didn't even think about what the Atlanta voice would be until when I kind of really watched us and I was like, oh, that's what, well, it's hot. So we're slower. Right. And we give you a second to just kind of. Amazing. Yeah. Just, you got to, we're not moving fast. It's too hot. And then it's humid. In, and yeah. Then in New York. It's... And in New York is just zip, 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 exactly. zip, zip. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, so it's interesting to track that. And um, yeah. And I'm sure there are, there are comedians that I enjoy and would love to kind of, pilfer from and try to figure out but um but i just kind of say i'm i'm really set in my ways at this point and so i'm just like well this is how i processed it and this is what i'm kind of going for and it's hardly it's more it is more um like gen x musicians than it is any comedians when i'm thinking of 
who gets me moving and who what I'm shooting for. Wow. I'm just trying to be like the black Kim deal of comedy is literally what I'm trying to do. And I, I don't even know how that translates. <laughs> I don't know. I'm devastated. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, I'm thinking about how fucking chill Shirley Manson from Garden. Yeah, right. Exactly. She's just like, yeah, we'll do another album. I don't see why not. And she's like, <laughs> uh, she, she just doesn't take bait really. Mm-hmm. And it's great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's like, because that's when I was, you know, when my brain was the most open. That's what was seeping in. So it was all of those, all of those women. And so it, I'm just like, I just, I'm trying to be the a, a weird that I'm comfortable with, and a weird that I'm willing to share, and um, and just kind of go from there. And so yeah, so that's, I mean, that's more of an influence than, um comedians although i mean i also that was like the time of janine so anyone <sighs> worth their weight in gold was attempting to do some sort of janine and i'm a i'm a very big janine fan and i feel like a lot of people in today's comedy don't give her her due like they don't it's... understand um but in a way that's been helpful because no one is truly aware how much of a janine i'm doing yeah. i did a sticker treat the first sticker treat um show where Comedians will do their version of a very famous um, ah, comic for right. Halloween. You dress up like them. You do a two-minute set Amazing. as that comedian. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll be Janine. I think she's the only person I could probably pull off. Yeah, I can see and, uh, and I went out and I did, had, you know, a, folders, a notebook, takeout <laughs> menus, all kinds of stuff. And just was very just scattershot, but still would come in with a laser-sharp thing and Everything and later I saw um, Ted Alexandro, who started, you know, came up with her, and he was like, "That was dead on." Oh like God. you, really, and I was just like, "Thank you." Oh, what an honor! I I truly appreciate that. Yeah, I my dad took me when I was a kid. We'd go to Blockbuster every weekend and rent Romeo Michelle's High School Reunion. Okay, and what she does is so is still I think ahead of the present mm-hmm. in that movie mm-hmm. of like. Self-aware, pitch black, right? Um, and only I think only a certain frequency got it. I mean, a lot of gay men were just like, "What's what? What just happened?" Right. And I, have you ever listened to her Mark Maron interview? Have I? I probably have. Like, one, I think it's been a long time. <laughs> it's incredible because he's, of course, a fucking. He's so uh, okay. Yes, he just is not aware of certain consequences that women. Uh, in the Gen X world would have to face that he never had to face. And they're right. talking about Air America and George Bush and 9-11. Oh, right, right, and right. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I lost my career. I got death threats. And he's like, mm-hmm. really? And she's <laughs> like, yeah, Mark, yeah. yeah. Like she's, she's so, again, there is that aspect of like, yeah, I get it. What are you going to throw at me? Right, yes. So much has already come. At, like, why are you? Yeah. What? How do you not? And I you're can't not even get be, a rise. Yeah, you're, I can't even be angry because so many people... <laughs> seem to not know that it's like, well, I, I guess you all are just going to have to be in the dark then. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. So once you decide to take your head out of the sand and truly look around, you may see that uh, quite a few things are on fire. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, you can kind of get through that however you can. But the, the voice thing is really interesting because throughout my 20s, I have – decided that everything I've been doing has not been authentic to me. This is not my voice. We're burning it all down and never again. And then a year later, I crawl out and we start again in the cycle. It's like Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah, I I guess I I understand how it's essential and it's painful because I did a lot of it in in public, not in such a big public eye, but in front of people I admire. And usually they're more patient with it than I am. But I guess there is something to be said for starting stepping on stage and being like this is who i am right yeah and and patience it also i had the patience to deal with some of the other stuff that comes with it like okay i see i see how these things are i I, all right i see how you move and that's the other being able to identify how people move just how they like they don't even realize they're putting it out there but i'm like oh okay you're uh you're kind of like a this the, these would be your reactions to this kind of situation. I shall 
adjust accordingly right. when dealing with you or whatever. So um, it's just also to just try and stay sane is to do that. But yeah, it's very like this is what I think is funny. And I've I've spoken in this way long enough and people have laughed with me long enough that I know there's something to it. Yeah. So I'm just going to do it in that way. I can't I, – I, I don't think I can change it at this point. And it would definitely read false if I did. So And you can read – you have that bullshit. Right, book, yeah. I also so, think comes with age. Yeah, yeah. So I have – and this is not an exaggeration. I have mm-hmm. had 23-year-old comedians in the last month mm-hmm. tell me that they're not doing enough. And that things aren't happening for them fast enough. Yeah, that seems right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you just, you're 23, you're right out of college. And you're or not like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, that's <laughs> touched by the hand of the Lord. That's not all of us. We're not all going to do that. You've just, maybe you've gotten a degree. Either way, you're still in list form. So you're like, you know, you're still like, I'm being graded and I got to yeah. graduate to the next. And it's like, no, no. Because if you weren't doing this and then say you just, Got a job. No one cares. No one cares. Yeah. Literally no one. No one. Yeah. yeah. So just look at it like that. This is now your maybe second job, maybe main job, depending on your situation with your money. Um, You know, yeah, there's no way that I wouldn't dream of. And I wanted to do comedy since I was 15. Wow. And um, I am so glad that I didn't. Really? Okay. Yeah. Because I would have, I would have like, Something would have happened, a bad set or some horrible exchange with someone, and I would have quit. And then that would have been a shame because I truly love doing this. Um, I mean, I also could have kept going, but I mean, I'm pretty lazy, and I was at an extra <laughs> level of lazy back in the day. Yeah, so that I'm was during the porn pr- store. Yeah, yeah. yeah. SVU, yes, uh, all of that. Yeah. yeah. So I definitely that was that was the time of like where we thought we knew it all. Uh, a lot of my coworkers and I, we were, we were close. We worked well together because we were all like the same age. So we were all like 27, 28. Oh, you know, I'm 29. So I know every, everything. I've seen, it. I've seen it all. Bring it on. I, you can't throw anything at you me. You can't. Yeah. And, and to prove life. it, to prove it, I'm going to work in a porn store just to show you how chill I am with everything. And then that was for sure my most judgmental moment of my life for sure. And I, I mean, and I just, I'm judgy of course, but like, I mean, at that point I was just like full on around like the most diverse group of people in the world and just proving like, Hey, I'm, I'm out here. I can hang with them. And I, I mean, at some point, yes, but also no, because I've already got these, like, look, I'm doing this, so now what What can you do, you know? And you think you know all the stuff and you don't, and you're just trying to prove to others that you're grown. Oh, it's a nightmare. <laughs> it is an absolute nightmare. I'm it's, glad I did it in that place, though. <laughs> well, it's crazy because that, to me, is Twitter. Like, yeah. it's everyone my age, gays and liberals, who are like, no, I actually am the coolest and most radical. But then the second there's something, everyone just goes, of course, manic, judgmental, moralistic, right. terroristic. And yeah. It's like, okay, well, we're not that chill, apparently. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're like, it's not. Come on, everyone, calm down. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. You know, but yeah, it's, um, it's, I am, I love that part of my life, but it did. It was a lot. So when I was able, when I got out of that, it, it took a toll on me because it's just like, oh man, I just went through and normalized a lot of stuff that it's like, yeah, this is just what it is. But, um, uh, like I was hard on myself in a way that I shouldn't have been. I was hard on others in a way that I shouldn't have been. And that was just like with personal relationships. And I was just exhausted by the time I got out of there. And so, and I left and, you know, it's uh, in just like not the most dramatic fashion, but definitely dramatic for me. <laughs> just like, uh, well, I don't need you anyway. All I need is a job. You guys need the store, the store, oh, you know, like that one. kind of that's thing. That's a big one. And then I, you know, went out and I got a job and I was like, oh, well, that was, huh. That what was a happened? lot. Well, yeah, what, what am I doing? And so then I was very sad and just super... Uh, I guess it was just a depressive ep- episode. 
And I had, I mean, I got a job. It was a terrible job, but I had to pay rent. And then I ended up moving with a friend and tried to slowly build my way back to what I understood. Um, and this was in Atlanta. This was all in Atlanta, okay. yeah. And so I finally, you know, you get a job at a bookstore. And you, you interact with people and uh, you learn like, oh, this is how everyone's been acting outside of like in the daytime. And my whole life was from 6 p.m. to 4 a.m. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's the kind of life I was living where it was just it was you're just out. Oh, man, everything's just out there. I mean, I was leaving my shift at two and then going to uh, a club in Atlanta called MJQ Concourse. And that was back when last call was like at 345. Yes. So I'm like, I'm doing eight hour shift and I'm doing like two and a half hours, you know, just at the club. Wow. Just at, you know, five nights a week, not, a, you know, and just like, yep, this is how we're living. And it's like, oh no, I can't, <laughs> I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is hard. This is hard. Why did I think I knew everything? I didn't know everything. I was just at the club. We all are a mess here at the club, and that's fine. And everyone went their own ways with it or whatever, and I still try to keep up with folks. But it's like it was just – it's a lot. So once you have, like, serious relationships and, like, friendships, not even just, like, romantic ones, but just friendships, like, implode and attempt to rebuild and implode again over and over, um, by the time I decided to do – comedy and people were all wrapped up in the drama of things i was like i mean i can do a little bit of this with you but i can't do all of this like i'm gonna pick i'll get worked up over that person and that person okay you i'll confide in you and you i'll probably talk to you a little bit and then that's about it because you had this thing that you needed to be doing yeah yeah more important but requires more, real focus yeah and it I was requires like, you I, to take yourself seriously and not Yes. Stay down in that. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, oh, I want to do this. Um, This isn't. I'm like, you guys are going through your MJQ moment right now. You guys are out late at night. You're, you know, you're doing a thing. You have some sort of purpose. And I get it. But I also I'm now I also have this day job and I'm doing this at night because I enjoy doing it. And I want to see where it leads for me since I've been waiting for so long. So. I mean, we'll see what happens, but I'm just going to keep chugging along and try not to get too bogged into stuff. When did you come to New York? Um, in 2013. Okay. And I was about three and a half years into comedy. And that is like the magic time in comedy where you think, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm mm-hmm. killing it. Mm-hmm. Let me just go ahead and I, let me show them what, what's what. Up there in New York. That's insane. But I still, but because I was older and I had a close friend who had moved from Alabama to Atlanta and I hung out, we became close um, when he moved and I watched him make that transition and the moves he made in order to get people to listen to him and then take him seriously and then include him in the fold. I was like, okay, so this is going to take time. And again, I'm being extremely patient. I'm like, okay, it's probably going to take me about six to eight months to find an open mic that I like. Wow. It took like maybe like a couple of weeks. Of course. Yeah, it was fine. I didn't realize so so fast. fast. I didn't didn't figure that. And I'm like, everyone's going to be mean, so I'm going to put up a wall. I'm not taking that thing down until I absolutely need to. Uh Um, And I'm still trying to dismantle that thing. Boy, that is. Yeah, I'm curious about that because you are, especially I know among the comedians my age, especially a lot of the gays and a lot of the young women. Mm -hmm. You are really, but like so revered and so beloved. That's crazy. That's so nice. And yeah, have you? When were you able to like realize that or like notice that? I don't. When someone like Bowen or someone like Spike Einbinder or someone like. Farah or Marsha Belsky or Drew Anderson. I don't like, know because usually, usually I am, I am somewhere. I'm watching them do their thing, uh-huh. and so I'm usually just like, like just huge smiling face beaming, just like wow, everything everyone's doing is so fantastic and so different and yeah. just weird. And I say weird a lot, and to me that's like the 
one of the highest compliments I can give because Definitely. I love weirdness. I just real love weirdness. W- yeah. real like from the gut <laughs> weirdness where it's not like a a fake thing like no. I'm just trying to know we're not tweeting. Yeah, I can tell yeah. when you mean that. And so when you mean it and I see it, I automatically I'm just like, "All right, I'm I'm with you. I'll support you. I'll do whatever because we got we got to be out here and be weird. Yeah. We have to. Normal is horrible. <laughs> I've seen it. It's terrible. It's no good. Um, they all seem sad. So <laughs> let's just be weird. We're not here for a long. And now I'm definitely deep in the. We're not here for a long time, guys. Like, please just do it up while you can. Yeah. Um. And so yeah. So I don't even know if I truly notice that coming back because i'm giving it out so much where i'm just like oh this is this is great yeah and it's just like in different factions too i have like okay so here's this crew and then in this crew i like oh yeah these guys i i mess with and these guys saved my life when i first moved here so if they need something i'll do that loyalty uh leo's yeah (laughs) leo's loyalty is yikes it's so strong it's so strong so once I've decided that I fucks with you, I fucks with you. And yeah, so I don't even know. Only recently have I just been like, oh, okay, oh, this is, I don't know why they keep early on when like Brett Davis would ask me to do something. I was like, I don't know why Julio Torres would ask me. To, I'm like, I don't know why they want me to do this. They've seen what I do, but I'm going to do it because I love those guys. So I absolutely will do whatever for them. But yeah, I, it only... Like fairly recently, have I been like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, yeah, this yeah. I think it of... comes a lot from like I've I've never sensed that you judge. You really, you <laughs> yeah. really don't care. No, no. So, so we're all just like, oh, Shalay was here, great. Like she's gonna be, <laughs> she's in on it too, and and there's not a sense of like, oh, is she gonna be disappointed. Like Shalay was down. Yeah, no, man. I mean, you know, being a weird kid in the '80s. I mean, just yeah. all being. A, I've just been some level of weird for so long that it's I'm comfortable in it. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, no, abs- please do what you're doing and I'm I'm certainly going to find something <laughs> funny in it because I'm going to go, what? That's what are you? <laughs> That's nuts. So, you <laughs> In terms of loyalty, I know that you and Courtney Fearington uh have kind of a bond. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. Uh you're both you're both hard workers and I know that you're both uh, you both have day jobs outside of comedy, and mm-hmm. you, he seems similar to you to be really in it for a long game. Yeah. He seems to not be in the, again, 20-something uh, mindset of, like, I shouldn't even be working a job. <laughs> right. I should be on Comedy Central right. now. Yeah. Which I have and everyone has, but mm-hmm. y- it seems good that you guys have found each other because you're both, like... No, I have a stable life. Right. I'm actually going to take care of myself and not live like a rat in a sewer. Yeah, yeah. And I'm pursuing my dream. I mean, yeah. that's what was the vibe I got from both of you together. Yeah, we are. He's been doing it longer than I have, and he started in, like, D.C. Mm. So, and he was hot shit in D.C. And um, so I was just like, all right, well, I'm just going to study what you do and how you right. do it because I don't, you know, get it. But we were like thrown together the, to host a mic. Um, we didn't even, we didn't really know each other. Um, we were just put together like, okay, I, you said you wanted to do a, a host a mic and the guy's leaving. He vouched for you. So I'll just put you two together. You guys know each other, right? And we were like, I, that just what? happened to me, but yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were like, okay. Um, yeah. And so we there? just, um, but it was immediate because we were like, well, this is our job now. Now we run this mic. So just from the first moment, we're like, okay, I'm going to do, can you get that? And blah, blah, blah. Cause we were like, okay, let's, we both were just hired to be in charge of these people for two hours and yes. to supply a service of some sort. We're running the gym. We're here. We're the front desk of the gym and we're here for them and we got to be here for at least two hours doing this. And uh, and then it ended up um, and that was funny because we would play music before the mic while people were signing up and we'd switch off songs and so there were a lot of conversations <laughs> like, what you know about? Hey, what you know about? And then at some point we were like, oh, okay, we're the same people. We're like a brother and sister. Got it. We'd accidentally dress similar. I'm obsessed. Yeah. Just not even in like a matchy-matchy way, but in a clear like 
like if we shared a mother, the mother was like, I'm going to put you in the same tone so I can find you at the mall. You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> like, why are we both wearing fuchsia? I don't know. I haven't oh, talked I to you one day. You know what I mean? Yeah, I but it's just. A fuchsia. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, how, uh, how, how? how would you know to wear? But <laughs> yeah. So and from that, just all the various capers and schemes and ideas for things just kind of come from that and you've been running together the long running series which is a live show and now it's a podcast that right presents which yeah. is a black film celebration mm-hmm. yeah so um and we did that we did a few podcast episodes and i personally want to keep it live because the magic yeah. is in being in the room with all yeah. of these people right. like acting it out. So we are um, we're planning something for the fall um, to celebrate the life of John Singleton, who recently mm-hmm. passed away, and um, which is very funny. Actually, you would find this funny. I recently just saw on Twitter where Bam is doing like a week of John Singleton movies, and I was like, are are our phones? Tapped? It, I just sent this it. Has to, happened before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I sent it to Courtney. He was like what's happening right now? How did they know? He was like, we're still going to do ours, right? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. We're they cheaper did, than Bam. They pulled this, I think when Black Panther came out, they did another series that mm-hmm. was like, it literally was as if they took your notebook. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah, was like, we had a whole are they list. they going to pay you? Yeah, we this? had a whole list of movies and we're looking at that list and we're like, but... We yeah. act, We already did this one. What, but, and I, know. I was like, all right. I'm like, we got to find the black person who works at BAM. Who, where are I they? I know who it is. <laughs> I, I interviewed her. That's I'm going to drop so her funny. a line. And that's so funny. Yeah, because how dare she? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's so funny. So I was like, well, we're still going to do our John Singleton thing because we'd already done two of his movies. Yeah. And so I'm like, we... Uh, what we're not doing what BAM is doing for sure. They're no, just no, no. showing it and then people will... But we're like deconstructing and it's a real back and forth with... Uh, we encourage people to talk because there's going to be black people in a movie theater. You're going to talk back. <laughs> and then we're going to, you know, we're giving away stuff. At, like, And you do the thing which is, this is to me this, the mark of a good critic is you really appreciate highbrow and lowbrow content, mm-hmm. which is critical yeah because otherwise it's predictable yes exactly you know it's going to be the same three movies right over and over again but if right. you really are finding those gems from mm-hmm. your childhood yeah if you're you if know. you're digging deep you know you're like oh wait this and then it, you find something and you watch it with your current adult eyes oh, yeah and you're like oh my gosh i can't believe <laughs> how did they let us watch this how is this really who greenlit this this is and then, you know, that's a whole other – so then when you point those things out to people, they're like, oh, I didn't even – it's it's great. It's fantastic. So so I'm just curious. Have there been any surprises that you've, that you've watched um, for, the, for the live show where you were just like, well, what the fuck was that? Or like you thought you were going to hate it and you loved it or you remembered it really fondly and then it was super problematic. Um, we were really excited to do Baby Boy. That was the first one. Mm. Um, and then when we sat down to watch Baby Boy, I was like, this is, this is longer than I remember. <laughs> um, and I was like, I feel like yeah. the other way went. I, I don't remember yeah. these parts. But it's because I was used to seeing it on cable. So I'm used to like commercial breaks and parts being taken yeah, out. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, this is You're a completely. Yeah, this is a completely different context. Um we have tried to do the movie Juice a number of times, yeah. and every time something horrible happens, and so we think the movie's cursed, but Courtney's take on it is that it's actually a horror movie, which is... Right. Yeah, and I so we were putting things together, like comparing it to various, hor- you know, just the tropes and all of that. It had all of that in it. And um, and uh, let's see, New Jack City, no one says the N-word once. And Courtney picked up on all these biblical references that I didn't know because I spent a a, a, a large portion of my life acting as if religion didn't exist. <laughs> um, you know, watch my parents' chagrin. I was just like, nope, I don't do that anymore. I'm 18. So, um, yeah. You but, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he found all of these biblical references, and then he noticed, yeah, and it never uses the N-word in it. And I'm like, this, what? But this movie's like two. Wow. What? Yeah, never did. 
So while I have you, for uh-huh. my curiosity, because yeah. I, something that pisses me off is I feel like there's the romantic movie canon and then there's the black romantic movie canon right. and whatever the two shall meet for some right. stupid reason. Yes. So I would love to know if you have any recommendations of classics from the black cinematic romantic movie canon that I or my listeners should get into. Uh, I am... I am very sweet on Beauty Shop with Queen Latifah. I love that movie. Okay, stop. (laughs) Everyone, I don't care if you're driving. Stop what you're doing. Beauty Shop. Okay. I am, the white gay is going to interrupt the black woman Uh right now. In 2004, when Beauty Shop came out, my father and stepmother took me to see, I was 14, they took me to see Sin City in theaters. Within five minutes, it was apparent that I was being traumatized. That movie is incredibly violent. Yes, it's a lot. My dad said, shut it down. (laughs) We walked into beauty shop. Right. Had the night of our lives. Okay. (laughs) That summer, Mm -hmm. when we flew to Israel and back from Israel, it's a 12-hour flight. Mm -hmm. What movie is on repeat? And what movie did I watch four times on the plane? (laughs) I know every goddamn oh one. My that movie is a classic. It really it's is. excellent. Yeah. It, in terms of line delivery, just like speed, it yeah. really has that like 30 Rock level of like, and w- the whole plot line about when she hires the hot, possibly gay uh, barber. Right. And all the women are lining up and there's the bald woman and she says, "What? what's he going to do? Braid your scalp? Like, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, it's so great. I mean, first of all, I think, Queen Latifah, I don't know if people have truly given her her props for her um, for her acting, for yeah. her comedic timing, for uh, her choices to go big. She can go bigger than yes, you. Yes, she can. She goes, and when, or when the Oscars can, are calling, she'll yeah, go big. Yeah, she'll go big. Absolutely. <laughs> so I just thought that was, she was great in that. And I think within the, um, <laughs> the barbershop, uh, like, universe. Yes. I don't think they pay enough attention to Beauty Shop, which was a spin-off technically of that and I think that mo- every time it's on I'm like, "Oh, sorry, Beauty Shop's on." I agree. Like I got to watch it. So I think n- hardly anyone mentions that as a really good rom-com because it is. Yeah, she gets with uh, Digimon Husa, yes. right? Who's yeah. like a p- he's a pianist, he, he lives upstairs. Lives up- yeah, the whole Hot. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great one. I actually think of the bar in the barbershop extended universe. I think mm-hmm. Barbershop Three is excellent. Yeah, 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 of yeah. All yeah. Of them. Mm-hmm. And Common looks really good. In yep. it. Common. You can always go to Common for it. Just, <laughs> I'm like, we need eye candy. Bring Common in. Eve looks great. Yeah. <laughs> Every. Yeah. yeah. Um. I also like. Um. I am. I like Brown Sugar. The okay. movie Brown Sugar. I really liked it a lot because of all of the hip hop talk. Okay. Um, Is Brown Sugar Sanaa Lathan? Am I getting that? Yes. Sanaa Lathan and Tay Diggs. Oof. Okay. Yeah. So it was um, very – and Queen Latifah's in that as well. And Most Def is in it as just like – who's kind of sweet on Queen Latifah (laughs) and is like tongue-tied around her. And that's great because you – don't get to see him be like goofy like that. He's always the epitome of cool. Yeah. And he's just like, hur, 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 hur. and she's like, what's wrong with this little one? And it's, um, it's, I think it's really, uh, for just like the, what you want out of a good rom-com, it delivers. And when we um, did, um, the, that thug passion piece for Time Out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Courtney had that joke, or maybe you did it together about like, what was going on with Tay Diggs back then where he was in every goddamn every one of movie, those movies? All of the movies. I think everyone just decided he's the prettiest one right now. <laughs> he's the prettiest one. Let's put him in all of the movies. He hasn't married a white woman yet. He still has his credibility. Yeah, right. Just, just throw, him, just in throw him, in him in there. Just put him in there. Um, absolutely. Help make him help help uh, Stella get a group. Give all him an of those accent. Don't yeah. give him an accent. Whatever. Just <laughs> Let him do, yeah. He was in so many of those movies. Yeah, bless his heart. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, it's so yeah. It's so funny to think about. Um, but yeah, I think those are probably my favorite. Yeah. I I personally have. Um, I like uh, the movie Something New. I think, which is Sonal Lathan yes. and what's his name, Simon Baker. Baker. Uh huh. That's I a like real that. crossover because there's nothing that white women love more than Simon Baker. Right. So it's a real, this is a really accessible one. Yes. And I, it was nice. I, I like seeing when black women decide, okay, we'll add this white dude to the list of the ones who can get it, which is an ever-changing list. 
Yes. But there is there are staples on the list of of who can get it, and they're not always. It's always you know it's always going to be problematic. But there are people you can count on. Uh, Brad Pitt will always be on the list oh, of uh, guys. We just God we just damn. want some sort of. They just. I feel like they almost have to just be aware of black women and respectful of black women. <laughs> and otherwise, it's just like, ah, I don't know. Eh, you know. Yeah, but, so um, I think after Brad Pitt was able to properly worship Gina Davis, who's this, Gina Davis is kind of an Amazon. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's gun-wielding in that movie. Mm-hmm. I, I think black women were like, hey, okay. Okay. All that. right, yeah. yeah. So um, that he looks good in a suit. That's helpful. Yes. That was helpful. Um <laughs> Yeah, but then I mean, it just switches with the with the times, you know. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to remember in in baggage claim with Paula Patton. I know there's because she's with like twelve men in that movie. Right. There is a white man. I can't even remember who it is. Right. But yeah, right. there is a certain kind of right. Yeah, and I mean that also can expand to um, white guys who um, I don't want to say identify as black, but black. Uh, not adjacent, I guess. A chin strap. My chin strap guys. Right. White guys with the chin strap beard. We all know them. You know, John B. is like the patron saint of that. And just, you know, the guy on Claws. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, For like sure. that. And uh, the young, the drug dealer on Euphoria, that kind of. Yes. Uh, what's his name on Shameless? What's, uh, 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 what's her name? He used to be on Reba. Then he got. Even hotter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shanola Hampton's husband on Shameless. Okay, it's like, yeah, yeah, he, like he that kind of arc. Yes, wherever we're going. Yeah, it's definitely like uh, there's a, a whole thing. And again, I I am speaking in generalizations, but but, <laughs> but there's something to it. I'm sure. Even if you're like she's wrong, if you're listening and you're saying she's wrong, some name just popped in your head, and you're like, okay, well wait, no, there is that guy. So let me ask you while I have you, what are your thoughts on the Coming to America reboot? Not reboot, sequel. Um, I think Coming to America is a, um, it's a near perfect movie. It's, it, it is, to me, if I think of movies that were, when I grew up in my parents' house mm-hmm. with cable. Yeah. If you think of, and this is something that maybe this is only for children before the Netflix age. Sometimes there's a movie that's on, it's on every weekend yep. on TBS yep. and you just watch it just from watch start it. to finish. Yeah. It's not a conscious process. It's on and Coming to America to me is probably number 1. Yeah, they it was played a lot. I think it holds up extremely yeah. well. Like if you if you're just watching it for the first time now with no real context, you are still just cry laughing at a lot of points and you don't need to know how ubiquitous um Jerry curls were in the eighties. Like it, it'll still hit you hard, but like, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's necessary. I, I don't think. I think a lot of the. I think we're. I feel like we're taking the shine off of a lot of classics right now by trying to build off of them too late, way too late. If you were really trying to keep heat, and also if and and if it's been this long and you've come up with another story with these characters, can we just trans can we just move transport the story to new characters and then maybe have things so it's not because it feels lazy a little it bit. It seems it's a like, little reactive because coming to America obviously, you know, won an Oscar for costume design. It's so essential, so influential in terms of costume. Mm-hmm. It seemed like after Black Panther they were like and of course Black Panther while filming had a Zamunda party. So like right. but it seems like they're like, Okay, wait, we did this, we're gonna show you and it's like, No, well, you, you don't, don't need have to. to. We already respect it. it. Yeah. yeah. We respect it by throwing the party and showing like we don't yeah. that doesn't mean we wanna see a new version of it those jokes are great uh all, that movie is is uh, like i said near perfect and i don't i don't know i don't think we really need it and i think coming to america the the charm of coming to america it's part of the kind of uh late 80s immigrant new york right saga. so you have moonstruck with Cher, yes which is italian you have right Crossing delancey with amy irving oh Jews, yeah oh yeah and then yep. you have coming to america and it's such a special it's the best new york in terms of movies in my opinion yeah 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 so, yeah that time that is before everything got super cleaned up, yeah. but like Bronx wasn't on fire. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? There's like there's just the moment where you know people are just kind of living and surviving, and um, and the Ghostbusters are th- on the case. Yeah, exactly. There, yeah. yeah. So I I agree with that. And also there was um, just the a, a 
a captured youthfulness. You know what I mean? That I, know. I don't. I don't want to. S- I know. I, I. I mean, I. I wish those characters well, but I don't need to see what's happening with like Arsenio Hall right now. Uh, yeah, in young that Arsenio Hall, there's nothing. Yeah, sweeter or more charming. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to fuck with that. I agree. Right. And young I, Eddie Murphy. You know, as I've gotten older, I've learned a lot more about Eddie Murphy. Sure. Whatever. And yeah, young Eddie Murphy was on top of the world. Right, absolutely. Now, there are stories to be had with older versions, you know, current versions of them. Sure. I don't think they necessarily have to, like, latch on to coming to America. I feel like you could just... Sure. People could come up with enough stories for about older people and then put them out there and... Yeah. But, you know, no, I get it. I would, I would love more Whoopi Goldberg vehicles. I don't need a yeah, I don't sister. Act. Right, I, exactly. I <laughs> yeah, like yeah. just put them in something in a in an age appropriate or you know close I mean, enough well, story. You know, they're making the the Trump's America Ghostbusters movie with all the original old men. I think, and oh, it's like that's Lord. not gonna be cute. nobody it's just wants not that. Be cute. Yeah, nobody. I don't even understand. I personally, I don't like. Ghostbusters, but here's why. Because when I went to see it in the theater, all the seats were taken, and I had to sit on the floor in the front row, and my neck hurt, and I was just like, as a kid, like, man, fuck this movie. (laughs) And so it's not even all that funny, you know? But that's just a very, that's literally all I have. That's what my opinion's based on. It happens. So, like, why are we listening to people who swear it was the best movie? If they had been sitting on the floor at that movie theater in Stone Mountain, Georgia, they also would have hated that yeah, movie. But with their privilege, but they yeah, were they got the, back. yeah, they got the lean in seats and stuff. It's not we can't help that our parents run late. <laughs> okay, so thank you for indulging me. I feel uh, oh sure. I'm gonna watch Brown, Brown Sugar immediately. So, um, I guess you know you just released your second album. Before mm-hmm. we wrap up, I'm just so curious about you know you're you're at the end of your first decade triumphantly. Uh, you just released your second album. You're kind of beloved in New York, and not kind of very beloved in New York. I'm just curious what what you're looking forward to that you haven't done that you want to do. A challenge that you kind of anything that's out there that you're like, all right, this is going to be coming up for me that I want to conquer this. Yeah, I um, when I started doing comedy, my parents when I told them I'm doing comedy, they went, yeah, sure, of course you are. Like mm. that makes sense. Um, and I was at it for a few months and my father asked me, what's your, uh, what's the end game with this? Because I'd had plenty of capers, you know what I mean? And plenty, like I had a zine and uh, I had plenty of, you know, and so, but I've had had some Indiegogos and Kickstarters. Right. Exactly. And so, but you know, they were just kind of like, you seem serious about this. Why? And what do you want to do with it? And my answer to him then was a book deal because I also, as a kid, used to write makeup stories constantly and just write. I read quickly, and so then I was like, well, I'm done with these books. I'll just write something in the style of whatever it was I was reading, which naturally was Judy Bloom. And so <laughs> just pages of bootleg Judy Bloom style books is what I was writing. And so that made sense to my dad. He's like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. Sure. Um, so I would like to attempt that. It's just a matter of... I my big concern is what do I have to say? Can I really what 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 am I what do I even have to say? It's and so I have the story. I know, I know. I have the story. I'm, I'm about to like start crying. But continue. <laughs> um. So I uh. So for a long time, even while working at the porn store, I was like, this is my book, y'all. I'm writing. A, I'm going to write the book about this place. And they were like, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm sure you are. Whatever. Um. And so I've already done um, like a solo show based on the porn store, which an hour is not enough because there are so many stories. So I'm Perhaps a trilogy. Yeah. So now it's like, OK, you do. I'm ready to talk about like I, I could talk about it any time. I never talked about the porn store in my comedy. So 10 years of stand up, never discussed Amazing. it at at length. And so once I started doing that solo show, I was like, yeah, I can do this like for hours, just talk about this. And I'm like, I need to capture it in some way. So that is where I am now. I would like to take the teeniest break from stand up yes. and like 
try to just blurt it all out, just get it out, whatever it is I'm trying to say. Because currently I'm I'm overthinking it, like how you are. Yeah, I'm like, how do I, how do I express? But what? But then will that upset? Yeah, and, yeah, and I'm like, no, I'm just gonna start. have to just start doing it and and figure shit out. As a yeah, guy. yeah. And I I mean, and I know that because that's how I even got to this point. Of course. So um so yeah so that's kind of what is weighing the heaviest on me right now okay. is I'm I'm ready to get that story out, I think, in some way. And then once I do that, I don't know, maybe I'll start making up stuff again. I mean, it's so funny because everyone my age is in this, like, horrible Ouroboros, cannibalistic, snake-eating-its-own-tail mm-hmm. thing of, like, well, I'm having experiences so that I have something to talk about right. on stage or something <laughs> to write about. And even me, I'm like, oh, I'll go-go dance, then I'll write an essay about it. You actually had, like, a good chunk of time <laughs> where you were just... At the club in Atlanta, at the porn yeah. store, mm-hmm. living. Right. And I know you've lost both your parents. Like, I, you clearly have a rich bastion of experience. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, you, I, I think you'll never run out of stories, even if it becomes fiction. You're right. never going to run out of life experience. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping, because I've thought of things about dealing with uh, my parents dying and the grief with that, or the lack of dealing with it and so that was another thing i'm like well once i really try to start dealing with that i i know the way that i deal with things best is to write it out i have diaries and journals out the wazoo just from the time i was nine and so (laughs) you know i'm like this is writing it out is how i handle things so i'm just trying to get back to that get to that muscle again because then i i know i'll feel comfortable and then i'll just who knows what will come out of me, but right now I'm still too in my head about it. So. I, um, a few weeks ago, I sat down with Ruby McAllister and she was like... Oh, she's great. She's she's so Leo. fantastic. Yep, I believe that, and for sure. she said to me, she was like, you're going to need to start writing a book of essays. And I was like, uh, yes, okay. <laughs> and I remember I was like, what would it be about? Do I have enough? And then I had that moment when I got home and I looked on my floor where I have... 25 notebooks from the right. last decade and yeah. I was like why do I tell myself yeah why would I, I think... tell myself this idiotic nonsense about what do you have to say you have no, you you don't nothing's happened you don't have a voice and it's like well I've clearly been talking about something to myself for the last right exactly so, so I mean I go back this? and read it and someone might someone else might want to see a, a better version of that <sighs> instead of just like me bleeding on the page yeah. you know <laughs> so i've been trying to do an essay a week and perform it somewhere oh and nice it's been good because like knowing i have to perform it gives me a little bit of a push mm-hmm. and just there is something about with an essay as opposed to like a set where you are working on it and tinkering it but like the meat's out there. Right. Once you've written it, it's done, and you can kind of keep moving. And yeah. it is nice, because I think with stand-up, it's this, like, it, it probably takes a lot longer. It's amorphous. There's no Yeah, there are, there's um, changes to... There is a joke that's on both of my albums. Yeah. That I just happen to love that joke. But huh. in between the time that I recorded it first and then the second time, I added stuff to it. I've sure. I've changed inflection on it. Like I've got a different way, different leading and all. And I was just like, I'm just going to do it again. Yeah. And I'll, you know, and then if I record a third one, I may put it on there again. That may just be <laughs> my thing is that, man, she really likes this joke. I mean, why do I have Only to... Only for the fans. Yeah, exactly. Why do I have to burn everything? I'm not... Who cares? But similar to what you said about recording this album, it sounds like maybe when you work on the book or whatever the mm-hmm. next step is, there will be a relief in, like, I did this, it's done. Yes. Rather than, like, this thing is constantly going. Yeah. be like, here, here it is, it's yeah, out. It's out, boom. that's it. Mm-hmm. That might be nice. That might yeah. be a nice relief. Yeah, that certainly will be. <laughs> it certainly will be. So, Shalewa Sharp, where can people be following you? Uh, I am on, I guess... Uh, as many of the social media things as I am aware of. Yeah. Um, uh, at Silky Jumbo. All one word, traditional spelling. Famously, <laughs> famously in 2008, uh, Shalewa was known on Twitter as Kill Mom- Killmonger's Mama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classically. But yeah, she will always be Silky Jumbo. Always Silky it's, Jumbo. It's 
Yeah, classic. Yeah. And um, you're always performing around town. Yeah, and so. I try to if I I try to post when I can what I'm doing. And uh, I mean, like if you didn't see it on one, check the other one. I'm probably like in the middle of some sort of weird thing at my day job, and I'm like, oh wait, I forgot about I know. Tumblr or whatever. <laughs> so the children, I know I got to hit them all. Got to <laughs> got to hit them all. I, I don't know how to TikTok, but I'm Silky Jumbo on it. I haven't ticked the talk yet, but <laughs> I don't know what TikTok. I don't, I don't know. know what it is. I was just figuring out what Vine was, and oh, then they pulled God. it. I so, know. it's mm. been happening a lot. Maybe it, this means I'm doing well, or I'm more self-involved. But I'm just missing more and more. Yeah, I think that's okay. Okay. Yeah, I have I think, no idea what people are talking about most of the time. Yeah, I think okay. it's. I think it's fine. I think sometimes knowing too much of what's going on. Sometimes you just don't. You end up not knowing anything. So now you can ask, like, what is this? And then someone can tell you a thing, and you're like, "Huh, that's interesting," because you're now hearing it through their lens, right. and they also are just now realizing how what they've taken in and what it even means. And then it could lead to like an actual discussion. And we bring in a young gay child to do this. We, yes. we wheel them in to educate us. <laughs> yes, right, exactly. Old, as we become ancient ones. Yes, we're just like, please, what do they speak of? <laughs> Out in the streets, please tell us. Well, Shalewa Sharp, uh, congratulations again on the second Thank album. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. This was such a treat for yeah, me. Yeah, this was great. Thanks um, for having and me. hopefully we'll have you back sometime. Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode of The Luminaries, let me know. Give me a five-star rating on iTunes. Write a glowing encomio. Share it on your Instagram stories. Email it to your Aunt Joan. And help make this series bigger and better with every episode. Thank you for listening, and let's grow together. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.